Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I have to confess to you, I, I have discovered that I'm in a little bit of a weird mood today. And I was on the radio this morning with our friends in Athens on Athens Sports Radio 96 The Ref. I make an appearance there each and every Wednesday. And as I was listening to myself talk, I was, of course, I'm speaking from, from the perspective of a Georgia fan. I'm a fan. Y'all are fans. This is a fan-oriented conversation. And as I was listening to myself talk, I was I, it just occurred to me that without really intending to be, I was kind of being a little bit negative, not like negative in terms of all oh, the skies falling, things are terrible, but I was expressing some concerns. And the way I said it on the radio this morning was, and this was not really my intention. I didn't wake up planning to do this. It's not a character that I'm playing right now. This is just kind of the version of me that seems to be coming out today. Uh, I, what I said on the radio is, gosh, I guess my inner Larry Munson's kind of coming out here a little bit. A lot of y'all know the Munson story, you know, the great former Georgia play-by-play man, really one of the legends associated with this program, and always that guy who had something to be worried about and gave Georgia fans some reason to be worried. Whoever Georgia was playing in any given moment was the greatest team of all time and that Georgia was going to be lucky just sort of pull out the victory no matter how big Georgia may have won. You always had reason to be worried before the game. Larry Munson just sort of had a way of kind of casting that vision. And I guess I feel a little bit like that here on today's show, even though things right now seem to be about as great as they could be for Georgia. Dogs were number one last night in the college football playoff, top 25 once again. Uh, When the rankings were over, uh, Boo Corrigan, the the committee chairman, does one of those conference call type deals. Reporters get to ask him questions. Boo was asked last night, hey, why is it that Georgia is still number one? You know, you know, what is it about Georgia that makes them so much better than everybody else? And Corrigan, the uh, committee chairman, laid it out kind of in no uncertain terms. What is to be liked about Georgia right now? Let me show you the uh, quote here. I'll read it to you. Uh, our buddy Mike Griffith was on uh, hand to cover this last night, says, I think the committee believes there's been separation with Georgia, but there's still more games to play as we kind of get through the balance of the season. When we look at it, we notice the win over Tennessee, the win over Oregon, the top 10 defense, another win for them this past week at Mississippi State. In the eyes of the committee, that's a separator for us. And once again, that's Boo Corrigan, the committee chairman. You can read the rest of the story at dognation.com. But Boo right there says, hey, not only is Georgia number one, there is seemingly separation between Georgia uh, and everybody else because of who they've beaten, how badly they've beaten them, and the way in which Georgia's kind of dominating the season. And if you're a UGA fan, you you love to hear all of that. That's all really, really good news. And then even to take it a step further, uh, our buddy uh, Georgia on tap, uh, very, very prolific Twitterer and uh, listener to Dog Nation Daily, shared this with me, Brett McMurphy, who works the Action Network. McMurphy, a longtime reporter, uh, the Action Network, a gambling-oriented website. Uh, well, uh, George on tap shared this. McMurphy on Twitter kind of giving you some lines, some some perspective point spreads of how it might look if George was playing other would-be playoff contenders. And Georgia against TCU on a neutral field, according to Brett McMurphy, would be a 14.5-point favorite. Against Ohio State, they'd be a one-point favorite. Against Michigan, they'd be a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Against Tennessee, they'd be a nine-point favorite. So once again, not only is Georgia number one, but they'd be a point-spread favorite about against any other would-be title contender and a pretty sizable favorite against most of those teams. So if you're a Georgia fan right now, you're going to be loving life. You're on top of the college football world. And it's not my intention to say, well, none of that's correct. 
Uh, but it is my intention to say hey, the weight of all of that is starting to feel a little bit heavy, at least on me right now. And I think what this really is, is a little bit more of an it's, it's not so much an anxiety about what might happen, but an anxiousness about the fact that it's all about to happen. You got two more regular season games to go. And then after that, we are in go for two and 22 season. I mean, it is here. It is upon us. And there's that little bit of anxiousness of, okay, after all the talk and after all the chatter and after all the, all the debate, it's about to be decided one way or another, a champion is about to be crowned. And it seems like right now it is more likely than not Georgia would be the uh, favorite, you know, to do all of that. But there is some time that must be bided before you get there. And the games that Georgia is about to play, they matter, even if it doesn't right now seem like it matters for George as much as others. And I think this is where you kind of come to on this. This is kind of what this is sort of building to is, is that in the next couple of weeks leading into, you know, the actual announcement of the college football playoff, there is a level of motivation for Georgia. There is a level of focus for Georgia that is certainly a little bit more difficult to define, and it may be more difficult to find than it, than it is for other teams. You know, for instance, if you're a USC or a TCU, you have got to win every game you play the rest of the season. Your motivation level is clear. Your focus level is clear. If you lose even probably one time, uh, you're completely eliminated from all this. If you're Tennessee, even though you're not really in a chance of uh, you know playing for the SEC championship or anything like that, in the remaining regular season games you have, you have to not only win those games, but you seemingly have to be at your best in those games to give the committee something to think about here. The level of motivation for, for Tennessee is as clear and defined as it possibly can be. For Michigan and Ohio State, they're kind of the same way here, where, hey, there's a chance the loser of their game still makes the playoff, but the fact is, is their level of motivation, what they are playing for, is as clear as it possibly could be. Their most hated rival is the thing that stands in the way of punching an easy ticket to the college football playoff. Of course, the level of motivation for those teams is really, really clear right now. And I think the thing that makes me a little bit anxious about Georgia, and maybe it shouldn't, I'm not here to tell you that I'm right, I'm here to tell you what's real. And what's real is, is that you know there's a little bit of concern that creeps in for me right now just sort of built around the idea that while Georgia stands on top of the college football world the next couple of weeks for UGA are a little less clearly defined than it is for some of the teams that are sort of chasing Georgia trying to get where it is right now and let me give you some evidence that kind of maybe sort of proves this point so yesterday Kirby Smart was asked about hey how much of a motivating force is the chance to win an SEC championship for this team this year something they did not do in 2021 how much of a motivator is that for Georgia right now and last night Kirby sort of gave you uh what is a pretty you know normal Kirby smart answer about not looking at anything past where Georgia currently is this is what smart said about that last night we really haven't I mean we haven't talked about the SEC championship game or going to the SEC championship, that's, that's just not our conversation. You know, our, we keep our con- conversations relative to what's one foot in front of us. And um, it really has never been mentioned as a goal or a, a, like, no, nobody talks about that. You know, we just we talk about Kentucky. So in one respect, that's almost exactly what you would expect to hear Kirby Smart say. Hey, we're not thinking about a game three weeks from now. We're thinking about this Saturday's game. 
That's about as Kirby smart as it gets. But honesty compels me to admit that last week, and we played the audio for you on this show, when Kirby Smart made an appearance on SportsCenter, he said almost the exact opposite thing about winning the SEC championship. Let me, let me play this clip for you as a way of drawing a contrast. He was asked about repeating his national champions, and he at that point pivoted to the SEC championship, something he just said in the clip a moment ago they haven't thought about at all. This is Kirby from last week. A lot of these teams that we've seen since the playoffs started are there every year, right? But we haven't had a repeat. The idea that that could be done again, something that hasn't been done yet, how, how much of a, of, of a sort of ring does that represent at the end of the line for you? Yeah, that, that is awesome, Scott, and that's, that's awesome. But that's the last thing from our mind. I mean, I got really, it. I think this, team, this team's driving factor is they really want to win an SEC championship. And you can't okay. really do that without winning in Starkville. Because they want to do something last year's team didn't do, and we didn't win the SEC last year. So it's one step at a time, and you can't win the SEC until you win the SEC East, and that starts with winning at Starkville. Now, I want to be clear about one thing here. I'm not trying to do a gotcha here. I'm not trying to catch Kirby Smart in a lie. I'm just simply pointing out that last week he said that the driving force for this Georgia team right now is winning an SEC championship, and then last night he said, we haven't thought about that at all. Now, what that leads me to believe is, and this is where my sort of, I guess, anxiousness kind of comes in here a little bit, is that finding the right motivation for Kentucky on Saturday is a little bit weird. You know, last week against Mississippi State, it was obvious what was at stake. You win that game, you clinch the SEC East, you punch your ticket to Atlanta. It is as simple as that. Well, now with Georgia number one seemingly having some margin for error and so, you know, whatever, 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 you know, the kind of the discussion about how much there's a gap between Georgia and everybody else, the game against Kentucky, who just lost to Vanderbilt and not very good and whatever, 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 all of a sudden kind of finding your own source of motivation for a game like this seems just a little bit tricky it's one of the reasons why yesterday we kind of made such a big deal about what Vince Marrow the Kentucky assistant had said about beating Georgia back during the offseason anything we can do to kind of throw some bulletin board material out there anything we can do to kind of fan the flames here we want to do that because sort of clearly defining what's at stake in a game like Kentucky I, I do think that's probably uh, pretty important here because it's a little bit different for Georgia right now than it is for the other kind of would-be playoff contenders so that's kind of one of my first concerns about Georgia is hey, you know, what really is at stake against Kentucky on Saturday? And that sort of leads to my second concern here, which is right now it seems like Georgia's got this huge margin for error, but in terms of the ultimate goal of go for two and 22, it's amazing how quickly that can go away. For instance, if Georgia were to stub its toe and uh, lose against Kentucky on Saturday, well, there's obviously still a very good chance that Georgia would make the college football playoff. It wins the SEC and it's in. But suddenly the margin for error that Georgia seems to have in plentiful you know, amount right now, boom, it's gone just like that. And the same thing were to happen if Georgia were to trip up against LSU in the SEC championship, where it seems like, well, last year Georgia didn't win the SEC title, still made the college football playoff. But think about how weird the debate gets very, very quickly if somehow Georgia were to allow someone else to get back in the conversation were to allow its own fate to be determined at the hands of the college football playoff selection committee all of a sudden this huge margin for error that georgia seems to have because it has been so clearly the best team in the country it's really remarkable how fast all of that could go away and i think it sort of leads to what i've been kind of thinking about now here for a while is that the ultimate narrative around georgia has actually changed as the season has gone on it's sort of gone from do you dare talk about the possibility that Georgia might win a second consecutive national championship 
all of a sudden there's a little bit of pressure on them if they don't. I mean, in a roundabout way, I think there's actually more pressure on Georgia right now than there was this time a year ago because the path right now, I believe, seems more clear for them than the path may have seemed last year. And in life, you just don't get that many opportunities where it seems to be falling in place for you as it is right now. And the, the, the true story of a successful life is really maximizing the moments that you have. I mean, Warren Buffett's talking about this. Like, I don't know what the actual number is, but I mean, he'll tell you that, that a large portion of the wealth that he's collected was done on the basis of a small handful of deals. And that's just the story of a life. Hey, be at your best, a couple of key moments, and all of a sudden you've got an unbelievable legacy. And this is one of those moments that's in place for Georgia and its responsibility to be at your best, that actually it's not how dare even mention the possibility of a championship to all of a sudden it's sort of like, well, a little bit of pressure on you if you don't. So that's where my, I guess, anxiousness creeps in here. But let me kind of finish with a happy ending here. For as concerning as this would seem to be for me, you know, that sort of biding your time before the real go for two and 22 season gets here, there is just a chance that this Georgia team is just built differently. And the motivation that it needs to play against Kentucky on Saturday is all intrinsic. And the motivation that it needs to play Tech the following week is also kind of coming from the inside. And the motivation to go in the SEC championship, they don't need any obvious reason to want to win the game. They just win the games because that's what people who are insatiably hungry to be the best, that's what they do. And that the path towards winning a national championship of go for two in 22 is really just something that is existing within this team it was either planted there by the coaches or it was inherently there uh, because these are just a special group of players this is just something that Georgia has and it doesn't need anything else but its own hunger to approach everything else that comes the rest of the way and if you want to believe the possibility that might be true some of the words from Georgia players give you a chance to sort of feel that way think about Kyrus Jackson the other day I've been wanting to play this for you for a couple of days now it's just incredible stuff it, it kind of goes back to exactly what we're talking about here you know Jackson was asked the other day about you're not playing as much anymore and having a bigger statistical day against Mississippi State than he's had against other teams and whether or not that kind of bothers him that that he's less a part of the offense than a senior wide receiver you know a guy that's kind of been around the program uh, other guys might crave more individual glory but Jackson says that's not the kind of thing that bothers him at all so so if you take what I said a moment ago seriously that the level of motivation, you know, for Saturday is a little tricky. It's a little weird. The The idea of being such a prohibitive favorite for the national championship also kind of fills you with potentially a little bit of anxiety. If you want to feel better now on the other side of having said all that, just listen to the way in which these Georgia players are seemingly approaching their day-to-day tasks. Maybe no better example of that than Kyrus Jackson. And maybe the perfect elixir i guess if you will for the anxiousness that creeps in as you head towards this championship time of year this is unbelievable stuff from kiris take a listen to this if something is working why stop it <laughs> that's my mindset hey, i'm here to win games i'm not here to have a thousand yards 20 touchdowns if i wanted to come in for that i probably would have went someone else but i'm trying to put numbers on those walls and trying to be a national champion an sc champion so whatever coach mike feels like is going to put us in the best position to win i'm down for it it's funny the way that Kira says that I'm trying to put numbers on those walls. What he means is if you walk through the hallways, the Buttsmere Heritage Hall, uh, kind of the home of UG Athletics, Georgia's kind of expanded its football facility now, but that's been the longtime home of UG Athletics. 
as someone who's, you know, obviously appreciated the, the history of this program and been alive for a good portion of it, I love walking through and you see the numbers of, hey, college football playoff appearance, 2017, now 2021, uh, national championships, 1942, 1980, 2021. There are numbers, there are years that are emblazoned on the walls there as a reminder of the great history of Georgia football. And Kara says, before I'm done, I want to put another number on that wall, another year next to a national championship, another year next to an SEC championship, another year next to college football playoff appearances. That's an awesome way to say that. And one of the most chill-inducing clips you can ever hear from a Georgia player. There's a reason why Kieris is such a valued spokesman for the Georgia program because he says stuff like that. But he's not just saying the right thing. I, I get every indication that he's also living that way there as well and leading Georgia in that direction too. So this is one of those scenarios where as good as Georgia has been, it would still be easy to mess it up from here. One trip up and you put it all in jeopardy. But maybe this team is just sort of built to avoid that. Maybe this team is sort of built to go on the road against Kentucky, preserve the opportunity to stay undefeated, to keep that status of the number one team in the country, to set themselves up to be 13-0 and host a playoff game in their own state in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Maybe this team is just insatiably hungry for a chance to win another championship, or as Kiera says, to put another number on that wall. Maybe this team really is just built differently. We are about to find out. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Breda Pest Management, and we're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us live on video. 9.45 for our first and 15, dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, or on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, or available as a podcast wherever you find them, including the worldfamousdognation.com. We're just really, really happy to have you with us. I got a little bit of a throat thing going on today. Hopefully that's not too annoying. Uh, hopefully that's okay. I feel fine. It's just a little bit of a throat deal. So uh, I apologize for that. But a big thanks to our friends at Breda Pass Management for making our show possible today. You know, Breda Pest Management is the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. When we talk about go for two and 22 and all that kind of stuff, nobody would be more excited about seeing Georgia win another national championship than our buddy Matt Breda there. Breda and all the team of Breda Pest Management, they'd love that because they're the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. That means when you're at the uh, athletic venues, you know, Stegman Coliseum or wherever, Sanford Stadium, of course, they're protecting those buildings from termites and all those pests that could invade there. In fact, when you're watching a game at Sanford Stadium, you look down there in that football field on that field surface you see room for a million termites can you imagine that that's how many termites can fit on on that space so if that's the story there for Sanford Stadium imagine for you what that means for your home and how easy those silent destroyers can kind of get into your house and potentially cause you thousands of dollars in damage all the more reason why you need our friends at Breda Pass Management help keep you protected from that or really maybe what's more important right now the folks at Breda Pass Management having an opportunity to leverage their strength, the fact they've been in business since the 1970s, the fact they have more than 100 employees, uh, putting that to work for you to actually put more money back in your pocket. Because if you're using a different termite company, some fly-by-night organization that keeps raising your rates each and every year, sending that letter in the mail, that dreaded uh, letter, ah, oh, things are going to be going up, going to be more expensive. Well, all the more reason to make the switch to Breda Pass Management right now and uh, put more money back in your pocket just for doing so. So find them online, BredaPest.com. That's B-R-E-D-A, BredaPest.com for a lot more on that. All right, let me make one quick uh, announcement here, and then we're going to move on and do Around the Doghouse here in a moment. 
as I told you, go for two in 22 season is upon us. We are so excited about how the next few weeks are going to shape up. Uh, going to Lexington this weekend, obviously finishing at home next Saturday against Georgia Tech, and then it's SEC championship and the college football playoff and everything that comes after that. We've been saying go for two and 22 around here since it was warm weather, and now it's cold weather, but that means it's time to put it all on the line and bring home that championship number two for Kirby Smart here in the 2022 season. And the rest of these Georgia Bulldogs are obviously a big part of that, and we're going to kick off the entire ordeal with a huge go for two in 22 kickoff celebration tailgate prior to the sec championship in atlanta i told you about this yesterday and now i'm here to tell you that tickets are on sale so all of this goes down home depot backyard saturday december 3rd it's three hours prior to kickoff for the sec championship and your ticket's going to get you an open bar open food all kinds of fun entertainment a very special go for two and 22 t-shirt now you've seen me wear the go for two and 22 t-shirt but this is going to be a second generation go for two and 22 t-shirt so so many of you have already gotten your own original design on the go for two and 22 t-shirt so we're actually doing a second generation t-shirt exclusive for our sec championship go for two and 22 kickoff event so that's actually the only east that's not uh quite it uh but uh but we're uh we're going to be uh, kicking that off and having some fun with that so it's a second generation t-shirt that's going to be a lot of fun you're gonna be able to see that there and the important thing is is that when you go to dognation.com and get your tickets here right now uh the first 100 tickets are just a hundred dollars so that's an amazing savings uh, unbelievable price on what is going to be an unbelievable day for those of you who are a part of these events with us including the one we did at the beginning of the season uh prior to the game against oregon you know how much fun this is going to be and you know what a great price a hundred dollars is on all this now we can only offer a hundred at that price and after that uh, we are going to be forced to raise the rate uh so if you want to get in on the best pricing do so right now 100 tickets at 100 dollars each uh, and of course, our ability to kind of price it this way is courtesy of our great list of sponsors. So let me thank these folks right now. R.S. Andrews, Marlowe's Tavern. By the way, more news coming on them here very soon. Our friends at Kroger, the Wilson PC Personal Injury Attorneys, uh, Georgia Farm Bureau, the 7-6 Apparel Company, uh, Royal Caribbean, of course, and Discover Dunwoody. They're a part of that there as well. So great collection of sponsors, all of them helping us present this great event at a great price 100 tickets at 100 dollars at dognation.com you can get those right now so that's going to be a great time can't wait to tell you more about tell you more about that these things sell out in like this is not like carnival barker ba this is the honest truth these things always sell out like in lightning fast speed so if you want to be there don't hesitate because it's going to be a huge 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 event and we can't wait to have you a part of it as we go for two and 22 we started in atlanta and the hope is it'll continue in Atlanta for the college ball playoff. And then we are on our way to L.A. after that for the uh, national championship. What a great time that is going to be. All right. So now uh, Mike Griffith coming up in a moment. We'll have more on the college ball playoff top 25 with him. And I'm going to have my own thoughts on that before we're done today, too. There is some action at the bottom of the top 25 that I think gives you a little bit of a foreshadowing about how the next few weeks might play out. And you shouldn't miss this. And so we'll talk about that here more coming up in just a moment before that though let's go around the doghouse here today and i want to talk about for a moment a position group for georgia that i believe is a little bit of a swing unit for this team what do i mean when i say that it's a position group that i think could lead georgia to great success but if somehow the level of play isn't what it's been at its top this year 
It could be one of those reasons that maybe Georgia falls short in its pursuit of go for two and 22 in a second consecutive national championship. You know, it's the offensive line. And what you saw this week was is that Georgia was named one of the semifinalists for the Joe Moore Award, an award that goes to the nation's best offensive line and obviously Georgia in the Kirby Smart era has had some really really good offensive lines first led by Sam Pittman then Matt Luke and all of a sudden now maybe this Georgia offensive line has uh kind of taken a big step forward for this team here this year and certainly for an offensive line coach and Stacey Sarles who was not universally uh, lauded when he was hired there were some Georgia fans who remember Sarles previous tenure here at UGA and they were a little concerned about you know was this the right guy here for the dogs so so maybe the performance of the Georgia offensive line here this season in in total has been a little bit of a rebuke against some of those who you know kind of thought maybe Sarles wasn't a great hire I think it still is to be determined as I said before this is a swing position group for Georgia and it's best the Georgia offensive line has been really 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 excellent this season has it always played at that same level I don't know that it always has in every game and frankly I don't know that it did this past week against Mississippi State just to be frank but Smart was asked yesterday about, you know, kind of comparing this group to previous offensive lines that he's had. And he said something kind of interesting about the comparison that he is willing to make and the comparison that he does want to make when it comes to this group right now. These are pretty candid remarks from Smart last night from his press conference. Here's Kirby again. Uh, I had high expectations of this offensive line from the beginning, and I've been very pleased um, with this offensive line group. I, you know, I, I try to compare them relative to other offensive lines, not – other Georgia offensive lines, other offensive lines we face in the current year. Because um, collectively, I don't know that the quality of football right now is as good as it's been in two, three, four years ago. There's, there, I mean, it's just hard to find really good quality units in all aspects. I mean, that's across the NFL, it's across college football, it's across high school football, everybody you talk to. Um, and I'm very pleased with the way our unit has performed. Um, could they do better? Yeah, but I've been, I've been very pleased with the depth, the use of the depth, and uh, how hard those guys work. So I think Stacy's done a tremendous job with them. So that's a statement from Kirby about the offensive line. As I said before, you know, I think at its best, this group has been quite dominant this season. Has it always played at its best? I would have to admit, I don't know that it always has. But but when you think about what's going to be true for Georgia the rest of the way. And this is one of those swing positions. I think you know what you have in the Georgia defense. They're going to show up week to week. They kind of have done that for you. There are guys on offense that seem to be showing up in a big way week to week for this team right now. You can kind of count them as a given. This offensive line, if it does what it did against Tennessee, if it does what it has done in kind of some of the big moments here this season, then they could pave the way for a go for two and 22 in a second consecutive national championship. But no doubt, big spotlight on them the rest of the way as they try to live up to the idea they really could be the nation's best offensive line. If Georgia does end up having the best offensive line in the country, and this is probably a national championship type team, that's the, the level of attention this group is going to have in front of them as they uh, try to pave the way for the dogs to the rest of this season. That is around the doghouse. This is Dog Nation Daily presented by Breda Pass Management. And we're going to kind of get more into all of this right now as far as like where Georgia is. Uh, I told you Mike Griffith had a chance last night to be on with Boo Corrigan, the college football playoff selection committee chairman. Uh, Boo kind of getting into the, the perception of Georgia right now. And I want to kind of also get in with Mike about the idea that the margin for error that Georgia seems to have, how quickly that could kind of evaporate if the wrong set of circumstances going to play out so we're trying to cover all those bases here right now and get you ready for georgia kentucky too so let's do all that as we do a uh, georgia farm bureau insider update with mike griffith here right now 
from Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So uh, Georgia Farm Bureau brings the insider update to us with Mike Griffin. Of course, Georgia Farm Bureau is going to be a big part of our Go for 2 and 22 kickoff event coming up and really our entire Go for 2 and 22 uh, uh, pathway towards uh, on our way to LA and the, the fun stuff that's going to be happening with all that. So we appreciate Georgia Farm Bureau being a big part of that, and we appreciate Mike Griffith being on the show right now. So Mike, I guess let's start open ended here, and we'll kind of get into more details uh, after that. Georgia ranked number one again last night. Whether it be about UGA or what's happening underneath UGA, what were your thoughts on the latest CFP top twenty five reveal? Surprises at the top, Brandon. I mean, I think, you know, and we've got a story up on Dog Nation right now. The college football playoff committee actually defending Georgia at number one. They were asked by some, I'm guessing, some Big Ten media types about, you know, what makes Georgia better than Ohio State and Michigan. And, you know, other than, you know, if you just turn on the TV and watch, maybe you would know. But, uh, you know, if they want to look at metrics and whatnot, uh, you know, Georgia clearly is balanced as either one of those schools, decisive wins, scheduling, et cetera. Um, to me, the, the curiosity to me is, you know, TCU now has moved ahead of Tennessee at number four. I mean, it's pretty clear cut that if TCU wins out, they're in. I, I still don't think, though, that if TCU loses and wins the Big 12, I don't think they're in. I, re- yeah. I really don't. I think that the teams that control their own destiny are Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, and USC, yeah. all those teams. I think Tennessee needs help. I, I think Tennessee needs not only TCU to lose, for sure, but I think Tennessee needs USC to lose, Brandon. To me, I think a one-loss USC that wins the big tw- wins the Pac-12 would get the nod over a one-loss Tennessee. I don't think there's any doubt that's true. I think that the presence of USC can you know, potentially creates a little bit of a problem for Tennessee. I think that TCU continuing to win obviously creates a big problem. Now, I think that – look, here's the thing. It's like – TCU actually has a pretty good resume, but that's not the kind of team the committee really wants in the playoff. USC is the kind of team the committee wants in the playoff, but they really don't have much of a resume at all. I mean, there's not much to justify USC being at number seven right now other than the fact that it's USC. But, I mean, yeah, I think it's fairly obvious that Los Angeles, you know, big fan base, the fact the Pac-12 hasn't been in the playoffs since 2016, I think it's pretty obvious at least to my eyes, this committee would love to have USC in the playoff. It's the only Pac-12 team that's alive for the playoff here at the moment. And all they need is for USC just to win games so they can't happen. The USC schedule gets a little bit interesting here uh, down the stretch with UCLA on Saturday, still Notre Dame to come, and obviously a Pac-12 title game against probably either what Utah or Oregon. So the schedule for USC gets a little bit interesting here. They really haven't beaten anybody of note uh, thus far, but this committee, I believe, would like to have USC in the playoff if they could possibly. Well, and if they're able to run this, if they're able to run that gauntlet, if they're able to win at UCLA and win at home against Notre Dame, and then beat Oregon or Utah as the neutral site, then I think their resume looks very good. You know, but to your point, right now, yeah, right now there's you know what they wanted Oregon State. Yeah, that's I mean, the there's, best there's win. not a whole lot that you know they lost by one point to Utah on the road. There's really not a ton to like right now. But if they are a one loss, and the thing that, as I said recently. You know, the, the Tennessee people that are kind of late to the party that haven't been through this, like we have, what they don't understand, what, what we know that they don't know is how much this committee values conference championship games. And we saw that in 2018 when Oklahoma got in ahead of Georgia, even though Georgia was clearly one of the four best teams, having been the only team in the nation to play Alabama closer than 20 points and really should have won that game. 
and I know that's still a sore spot, Brandon. I still remember our press box exchange <laughs> that night. That was that was it was a very uncomfortable press box for me in the second half, in particular, after I guaranteed Brandon they were going to win the game at halftime. Uh, but I didn't know that DeAndre Walker was going to get hurt and Brenton Cox was going to be Brenton. It's a whole other story, off the rails. But what my point is this: this committee values conference championship playoff game winners, and they're going to get a they're going to get a boost. And, and Tennessee, I believe Tennessee is one of the four best. I really do. But if there's a one loss conference champion, pack, uh, power five conference champion, other you know if it's and it's USC, they're going to take USC over Tennessee in that spot. Now. I don't think USC and TC are going to win out. I think both of them are going to are going to fall by the wayside. I think Tennessee's going to get in, and I think the interesting discussion that we're going to have, particularly if um, Ohio State beats Michigan, is going to be a one-loss Michigan uh, with Ward Manuel on the selection committee. I might add against a one-loss conference champion Clemson. Yeah, so I want to do the Georgia part of this in a moment, but let me just say this about the ACC here for a moment. I believe last night you got the sense that the committee is still reserving the right to put the ACC champion in the playoff. Now, last night you could certainly be uh, forgiven if you uh, of the belief that the committee doesn't have a very favorable opinion of the ACC. Seems like that's true. Alabama was rated ahead of Clemson, for instance, even though Alabama's got two losses. Clemson has just the one. So you might be left to conclude, well, this committee doesn't like the ACC very much. And we should also point out that no team outside the top 10 at this point in the year has ever made the playoffs. So if you're thinking about North Carolina, for instance, a one-loss team, you got Drake May, who you know, could win the Heisman Trophy. I guess it's a possibility. If they were to be the one that beats uh, uh, Clemson, that would be the farthest by a long shot that anyone's ever come from this point in the year to make the college football playoff. So from that standpoint, it seems like this committee doesn't like the ACC very much, but I believe that, as, as you said, there is just some value in winning a conference championship. I think there's a lot of pressure to kind of keep the Power Five leagues involved in all of this, and while this, this committee, I believe, would much rather take certainly a Pac-12 champion over an ACC champion, depending on how things play out, they are certainly, I believe, reserving the right for themselves to put that ACC champion in the playoff if the I guess the if a, if a sequence of events occurs where it's you know palatable, I, I think they're reserving the right to do that. Right, and, and as far as how this affects Georgia, and you know, because the, the whole thing from ten thousand feet is fascinating. But I keep I keep kind of going back to you know Georgia. Is Georgia going to see Tennessee again? Is Georgia does the committee? And, and I don't know you know whether you believe you know there's black helicopters flying out there and they, that they want to plant certain games and certain teams against one another for more interest. I personally don't think they would want to necessarily match Tennessee against Georgia in the in the semifinals. I don't think that's a matchup they would they would want. I would think if they had their druthers, if, if and the scenario plays out, let's let's say TCU for example or, or USC. I think they'll have Tennessee number three. And Tennessee would play Michigan Ohio State winner in the Fiesta Bowl. That's what I think. And I think Georgia would play, you know, fill in the blank, TCU, USC, Clemson. That's that's kind of my inkling right now, Brandon. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I guess we'll, you know we'll, we'll see about that. I, obviously, you know, you got a lot of conference champions that could potentially you know box the Vols out. And, you know, f- frankly, you know, I, I guess I don't really know what to think about the Tennessee part of this, or you know, right now. But as far as like the uh, Georgia part of this goes, Mike, what I said on the show a little earlier was 
here is the thing where and I'm going to speak as a fan for a moment where I get a little bit anxious, not 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 anxious in terms of scared, but just sort of on pins and needles in terms of I'm ready to see all this play out that the motivation for almost any would be playoff contender right now is really pretty clear. Even for a team like Tennessee on the outside looking in, they know they've got to win. They probably need to be impressive in doing so. USC knows has to win every game. Otherwise, it's not going to get in. TCU certainly knows that. Michigan, Ohio State have the motivation of knowing they have this big colossal showdown coming against each other. It's Georgia right now who seems to have all this margin for error. They're clearly the best team. The quote you got last night from uh, Corgan, there's a little bit of separation between Georgia and everybody else right now. And it seems like you've got this robust margin for error. But Mike, I can't help but but conclude, gosh, the wrong thing happens at any point in time here. And all of a sudden that margin of error kind of disappears here a little bit. And if you were to if you were to put your fate in the hands of the committee, you know, this is an illogical body. From week to week, they just do different things. From year to year, they have certainly done different things. That if you put your hands, your fate in the hands of the committee, you can't be sure how they're going to act. You really can't. And, and I felt this way going into last year's playoff, and obviously Georgia got the nod and won the national championship in part because of it. But but once again, I sort of find myself thinking and saying the same thing here is, is that woe to you if you allow the committee to decide if you're in the playoff, if you do something that that doesn't take that decision away from them, then you're literally you know putting your championship fate in, in, your own, in, in their hands at that point. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I know what you're saying without saying it. I mean, I, I and I, I even if you're even if they don't win impressively enough or something of that effect, and they slide to the two seat, I, I I hear you, and I agree. I, the, the committee is unpredictable. Uh, the metrics that they value change from year to year. The committee itself changes from year to year. The political landscape changes as these ads and, and presidents and committees have these meetings about you know the college football playoff expansion. I mean, allies are made, friendships are formed. You, you can say that you're completely objective, but nobody is completely objective. That was the beautiful thing about the BCS for the most part, is it was kind of a numbers game. And, and as Roy Kramer told me a few years ago when I asked him about it, he wanted to take the regionalism out of the game and coming up with this formula. Because he knows, and this is what Commissioner Kramer told me then, having served on an NCAA selection committee where you put 64 teams in back then, he said it was the most miserable experience of his life because of the the factions and the regionalism involved. And it's no different in college football, if anything, even stronger. So that's why he came up with the numbers-only game. Now, supposedly we have this 13-judge you know, and jury committee of complete objectivity and great integrity as the Oklahoma AD is cutting a deal uh, behind it. Everybody's back on the SEC. It's a story for another day. But I'm with you. It can change. Here, is this, here to me, is the worst-case scenario for Georgia. All right, and, and I'm and I think I want to say this. I want to be clear. I think Georgia would re- win a rematch with Tennessee. I think they would win a rematch at a neutral site because I don't think Tennessee could stop their offense. It would be higher scoring. There'd be more drama, but they would beat Tennessee. I still think, though, of the teams, that's the team they don't want to play. I don't like the rematch factor at all. But if if Michigan and Ohio State is a close football game, and they and, and say Michigan wins. They will take Ohio State over Clemson as the ACC champ because Ohio State beat Notre Dame, yeah. right? And Clemson didn't. So that, that pushes Clemson out if, if Ohio State's loser. And, of course, TCU and USC lose. Now we're sitting here, Brandon, with Georgia-Tennessee and Michigan and Ohio State. And do you know where they're going to want that Michigan-Ohio State game play? I do. They're going to want it in the Fiesta Bowl. They're going to want it out west. It's real close to L.A. where they have the the Rose Bowl. And you're going to see 
Tennessee and Georgia, and Michigan, Ohio State, if that scenario unfolds. Yeah, I mean, maybe so. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm not speaking as a Georgia fan here. I'm not the least bit afraid of. I mean, you got to play somebody in the playoff. I mean, I, I guess I don't find the Tennessee part of this to be all that interesting in the fact that they're, they're a good team. They're fine. Maybe they make it, but I, I just don't find the Tennessee part of this to be all that interesting. Maybe they get in, maybe they don't. But you got to play somebody in the playoff if, if you get there. So rematch against Tennessee, playing Ohio State. You know, to me, it's about all the same here. Now the the, the matchups that Georgia ought to salivate over because they'd. The, the, the games in which Georgia would be the biggest favorite, if you want the easiest path for a national championship, you want Georgia TCU, you want Georgia USC, because for all the brand name recognition that USC has, this team is terrible defensively. They haven't, as we talked about a moment ago, they haven't beaten anybody. So I mean, you know, Georgia would be about a 20-point favorite in a neutral field against USC, I, I, I believe. It's certainly be in excess of two touchdowns. So, I mean, if you really want the easiest possible matchup, that's what you want you want tcu you want usc but but beyond that i guess i don't get that worked up over who georgia plays whether it's rematch or not i just sort of more more find my energy centered around the boy you better be really really careful thinking you could afford to lose a game and still make the college football playoff as dominant as georgia has been because that decision gets really really tricky for the committee really really fast i believe yeah, you know what's you know what's great about our, our our programming and about our local programming and our local knowledge is that we we don't even have to waste a breath on LSU beating Georgia. There, there's people out there. Well, what if LSU beat Georgia? Yeah, well, what if the world ends tomorrow? Is Joe Burrow going to be back uh, in uniform? <laughs> because this quarterback can't throw it more than 15 yards down. This is the fun part. LSU's done a great job. They really have. Brian Kelly, congratulations. But that's going to be. A butt kicking. That that game is going to be ugly, and it, it it is not because LSU's a bad football team. They're not. They just don't have what it takes to stay on the field with Georgia offensively, and 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 yes, they have a good pass rush and all that. But listen, there's a, you know Todd Munkin's got an answer for everything. You know Stetson mobility. Stetson has shown some mobility when he's needed to. I mean, yeah, a couple turnovers here and there make people nervous every now and then. But he's so much better than he was a year ago, Brandon. I believe. And and so that's what I'm saying. You know, I think it's funny that people, you know Tennessee fans are getting all worked up about L. Look, LSU is not going to beat Georgia. So just take that part of the equation out of it. That's not even part. Of, it's not even a realistic. That's like saying, well, what if North Carolina beats Clemson 100 to zero? Not going to happen. They're out. They're not going to win impressively enough. LSU is not going to beat Georgia. Let's get down to brass tacks. Does TCU win out? Does USC win out? That's that to me is where the drama lies. And what happens in a Michigan Ohio State game, which is at Ohio State? And I'm going to throw this theory at you, Brandon. I I thought last year that Ohio State was markedly better than Michigan. I thought their passing game, and I know they lost head to head, cold weather Michigan game, but that was the one team Georgia really didn't want to see last year. And I know that for a fact. That, that, that I know that for a fact because of the matchups, right? The passing game. This year, I'm not sold on Ohio State. Now they get a higher ranking than Michigan because they played Notre Dame. And Jim Harbaugh, you know, scheduled, uh, you know, Colorado State and Hawaii and UConn and, and, you know, whatever UConn, but still not a good team. That scheduling really cost Michigan, okay? But I think this year, I think Michigan is a better football team than Ohio State. I don't know if they're going to win in Columbus, but I think they're a better team. And part of the reason why they're a better team is because they saw where the bar was set in the Orange Bowl. They came in there with the assistant coach of the year, the Broyles Award winner, and the Joe Moore Award offensive line of the year, and all that did was upset Georgia. And that was part of the motivation. Kirby finds all sorts of things. And Georgia showed Michigan just how far they had to go. And I think that's to Michigan's advantage that this offseason, they got humbled. 
and they learn, boy, we got a long way to go. I don't think Ohio State, with what they've got back at receiver, I just I don't I don't think Ohio State would be able to compete like Michigan in the playoffs this year. All right, interesting, Mike. Uh, we'll certainly have plenty of time to talk about that. I want to ask about the Kentucky game here coming up. Before that, though, let me remind folks, this is our Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update. And, of course, so we're here in the state of Georgia and looking forward to all the exciting football action that's going to take place, including the possibility that Georgia gets two more big games in this state, maybe the SEC Championship, the hopes of that uh, Peach Bowl game there as well. Are you excited about the possibility of all of that? And as you're living and working and doing life right here in the state of Georgia, keep in mind the folks at Georgia Farm Bureau, they're doing all all the same kind of stuff that means when you do business with georgia farm bureau you're kind of under you're doing business with someone who understands what your life is all about because they're living a very similar life right there in the state of georgia doing all of that there as well that's why we say georgia farm bureau is always the home team and that kind of hometown connection that you have with georgia farm bureau is such a valuable thing it's a it's a friendly local you know agent you know claims adjuster all, all the things that you need from an insurance standpoint uh you know those are the folks like right here in that same state with you doing all of that Around here, we believe that obviously Georgia football is about more than just a game, and you want more than just an insurance agent there as well. And that is what Georgia Farm Bureau is. So please find them online at gfbinsurance.com. That is gfbinsurance.com for a lot more on that. Mike, one more thing here, and I'm going to kind of bring you back into a conversation that I was uh, having before you joined us, which is I think this Kentucky game on Saturday is a little bit tricky. I think that Kirby's right. While I don't believe that Kentucky's very good, that doesn't mean they won't play well this particular Saturday from week to week, especially in November. It's sort of hard to know which team you're going to face, though. One that just lost to Vanderbilt or a team that looks way different than that this particular Saturday. I think that's true. Plus, the level of motivation for Georgia this week, once again, a little bit more difficult to define on the heels of last week. You knew what it was about. You win that game, you clinch the division. Easy to sell that. This game against Kentucky may be a little bit more difficult sell. What do you think about Georgia on the road at Kentucky this particular weekend? Yeah, it is interesting because, you know, Will Levis is, you know, he hasn't been 100%, obviously. I mean, he's, he's a great talent. There's a reason he's a first round projection. When the guy's on, he's on, right? And Chris Rodriguez, a couple of years ago, had 100 yards. Last year, you know, got completely stopped. There's plenty of motivation for Kentucky to rally the troops after they got embarrassed and became the first team to lose to Vanderbilt at home in an SEC game since 2018. I mean, the indignity of it, right? I just I feel like there's something going bad there. I, I don't understand it. I'm with you, Brandon. They they looked good on the road, uh, beating Florida when when the swamp was all fired up way back when when you know the Gators had, had just knocked off Utah and, and and people were thinking you know that Billy Napier was all this and that, and they go into the swamp and get a win. That's huge to win in that stadium. It's, it's a really difficult place to play when Florida's got it going on. Uh, you know they they beat Missouri. They beat a tough Missouri. Missouri's tough. Missouri's tough. They may not be good, but they're tough. And, you know, yes, there was a controversial call, but still, uh, to go into Columbia and win, Georgia knows it's not easy. So, and then to come home, but to lose the South Carolina game at home, uh, losing at home to to me, that's a leadership. When you're losing home games, that's a leadership and a distraction thing. On the road, you're playing well, okay, everybody's together, and, you know, you're all, you know, kind of being watched every year at home. There's leadership issues. There's internal leadership issues in the clubhouse. If they put it all together, though, could they put? Yeah, they could pose a challenge because Kirby's going to play physical. He's going to play the same style of ball they are. They're going to play a little smash mouth. Not going to throw it out any throw it around any more than he has to. And you saw why last week against Mississippi State, uh, he's going to run it what he can. And, and, and I think it's going to be a physical game. I think Georgia's going to wear him down and prevail. It's not going to be exciting. Twenty-two points seems like a lot. 
Um, go with the flow Friday night. Tune in, folks. See how we pick it. I, I just, I, I just, I'm with you. I think Georgia wins, but I just got a sneaking suspicion it might be a little bit uglier than you'd like. All right, Mike. Good stuff. Thanks for being here for our Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update. We'll look forward to reading a bunch more from you at DogNation.com, and we'll uh, obviously chat with you back here on the show very soon again as well. All right. Thanks, BA. Good stuff. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Fruit. All right, I want to talk more about these uh, college ball playoff top 25 rankings from uh, last night. We'll share more of that with you here coming up in just a second. Before that, though, let's go cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. i got to tell you something here for a moment. I'd give anything to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship right now. My body's just not made for cold weather. I've, I've determined that, that, uh, you know, 30-something degrees last week in Stark Vegas even colder than that maybe in lexington uh way up north in kentucky this weekend uh i mean in our own home state of georgia right now it's miserably cold there as well my body's just not built for this i'm built for the caribbean i'm built for the bahamas i'm built to be on the high seas on a uh great royal caribbean cruise ship like independence of the seas which we're gonna all be on together in april here coming up or uh wonder of the seas the largest cruise ship in the world right now i'm excited about you know being on board there better weather warmer weather get a little winter tan going i'm always about that this cold weather stuff this just not for me and as i get excited about our friends at royal caribbean i'm also excited to tell you more about uh well first of all the fact that royal caribbean is going to be with us for go for two and 22 they're going to be with us throughout that season that's exciting to uh, think about including our big kickoff tailgate coming up here in a couple of weeks but also speaking of kicking things off pretty soon they're going to be kicking it up to an entirely new level in january of 2024 when they introduce icon of the seas the newest the largest ship in the royal caribbean fleet and when it debuts it'll be the largest cruise ship in the world it is an unbelievable just uh un, you know statement about the dedication that royal caribbean has to kind of taking the cruise experience to the next level uh, that is what royal caribbean is all about you can learn more about that by talking to our friend jessica slater she's a great travel agent you can call our 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 you can also check out the website royaldogs.com Now she's made royaldogs.com a website specifically for information on her upcoming dog nation cruise which is this upcoming april that's going to be on onboard independence of the seas but i want you to think about royal caribbean for more than just the upcoming dog nation cruise you know if like for me if I've got a little bit of downtime, if I've got a little bit of a, a getaway opportunity, when I'm thinking about recharging the batteries, that's kind of what I'm thinking about. Because when you think about all that comes included with a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, so many things that you eat, so many of your experiences, all your entertainment, so many of that of those type of things, really the price you get for a great Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, kind of a one-stop shop for kind of all your vacation needs, for me, it's hard to beat. My family, we're so excited about being on a cruise together. My wife and I have kind of taken the sort of the cruise with just the two of us, and we've got a little short getaway with just the two of us coming up here too which i am really really excited about and we're all looking forward to eventually being on board icon of the sea so our friend jessica slater can help you out with all of that that number once again for her one more time 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 all right let's get into the top 25 here from last night here just for a moment now here's what i gotta tell you i don't spend nine seconds thinking about tennessee they make the playoff they don't make the playoff it doesn't mean one thing to me whatsoever uh if the wrong teams lose then tennessee will be there and if that's who georgia plays my reaction to that is zero it's not excitement it's not disappointment it's nothing it it is a team that georgia might play and georgia is about as big a favorite against tennessee as it would be against most of the other teams that are out there so i'm not going to you know gnash teeth over how tennessee makes the playoff i'm not going to complain if they do get in right now they're sitting at number five 
and they mean about as much to me as the typical number five team in the country would mean. They're, Tennessee is just not that much on my radar. Georgia plays them again. I know rematch, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but you got to play somebody. And the fact of the matter is, is I, I just don't really view Tennessee as all that consequential. Maybe they'll make the playoff. Maybe they won't. But whether they do or they don't, frankly, I just don't care all that much about it. However, there is uh, a lot more from the top 25 that I do think is kind of interesting. I want to show you that here for a moment. Now, let me, t- let me, let me start at the bottom because the bottom is where things are a little bit interesting right now. I want you to notice who comes in at number 24 on this list. That is NC State. Now, NC State's lost three times. So think about who NC State is ranked ahead of right now. Teams like, say, Liberty or – now, Liberty lost this past Saturday – coastal carolina who's only lost once all season a texas team that has four losses and you say well you can't rank a four loss texas team well the truth is is nc state's got three losses and texas additional loss came close and late to alabama in a game in which their quarterback was injured the point is is like you have to sort of like contort yourself a little bit to get nc state in the top 25 here and so the conspiratorial part of me starts to wonder well, what is NC State's value as a top 25 team? And then you realize, oh, well, this is a team that Clemson's already beaten. They can say, hey, we beat a top 25 team. And this is a team that NC State, or I should say that, that North Carolina will play at the end of the regular season, which could also give UNC a little bit of a resume boost, which potentially adds to the value potentially of an ACC title game that's expected to be North Carolina against Clemson. Now, I told you when Mike was on the show a minute ago, you got Clemson at nine right now. You've got UNC at 13. 13 would be the lowest that anyone's ever come to make the playoff this late in the year. And I wouldn't expect USC to necessarily beat Clemson necessarily, but I do believe, as I told Mike a moment ago, that this committee, I think, is reserving the right to put the ACC champion still in the playoff, that it's not likely to occur. And I think you can certainly look at last night's top 25 and come to to believe this committee has a low opinion of the ACC, and you'd probably be right to say that. But are they reserving the right to change their mind on that? I think that uh, Clemson at 9, UNC in 13, ranking the, uh, the the eventual common opponent for both these teams, NC State, is a little bit of a signal on that. Let me give you another thing to look at here while we kind of have our conspiratorial hat on here for a moment. Notre Dame is now 18th. Notre Dame's lost three times, too. One of those was to Marshall. One of those was to Stanford. It has not been a pretty season for Notre Dame. They have played better since beating Clemson a couple of weeks ago. But this is not a... A, a, a great team by any stretch, but Notre Dame is an opponent coming up for USC. So the value of Notre Dame this high, other than the fact that it's also the you know, whatever, whether it be pollsters or committee, whatever else, Notre Dame always seems to be overrated. But in this particular case, there could be some value in overrating Notre Dame because it does create more of an opportunity for USC, which is at seventh. But right now, USC's best wins against Oregon State. Uh, Oregon State's 23rd on this list. Uh, right now, that's the best win that USC has, and they had to fight to the wire and win close at Oregon State. USC just doesn't have much of a resume right now, but because it's Los Angeles, because it's you know big brand, because it's a Pac-12 team, you haven't had the Pac-12, the entire West Coast has kind of been excluded for from the playoff conversation for more than half a decade now. Because of all of that, there's obviously a lot of motivation to get uh to, to get usc in this playoff and i think ranking notre dame highly kind of helps all that out so you also look at the other pac-12 teams that are ranked right now you know utah at 10 i think that leads to a little bit of discussion right now of why are they 10th i mean uh they lost to florida whose average is grits 
Is that really a resume befitting the number 10 team in the country? But, you know, Utah and Oregon ranked relatively high, potentially helps USC once again bolster its case for the college football playoff. It's something to consider. So final thoughts here from me. So you got Georgia number one right now. The gap between Georgia and everybody else is seemingly large, but that could change pretty quick if Georgia doesn't play well. I do believe truly and far and away the second best team in the country is Ohio State. If Georgia played Ohio State, it'd be a fair fight. That's what I'll say. I don't believe there's anybody else in the country right now that I view to be a particularly fair fight against Georgia. And frankly, there are a few potential playoff matchups that I believe that Georgia ought to crave. USC would be one of them. I think the TCU would be another. You know, based on how last year's game worked out, I almost think that Michigan might be in that category too. But Georgia-Ohio State, I believe, would be a fair fight. Not a game that Georgia should be afraid of. Not a game that Ohio State should be afraid of. It'd just simply be a fair fight. And let, let the chips fall where it may, if that is indeed how it plays out. So for me, there's no doubt in my mind, personally, if I'm filling out my own ballot here, that Ohio State's the second best team in the country. If you're watching these games closely, Ohio State has not played as well week to week as some people think they have. We've kind of tried to highlight that here from time to time. They have not been a bulletproof team this year. But I do believe they're the second best team in the country. And if Michigan were to beat Ohio State, which could happen, they beat them last year on the you know in their own stadium, they go on the road this year. Uh, I believe that Ohio State, because it has that win against uh, Notre Dame, which suddenly starts to look better and better in the eyes of this committee, I believe that Ohio State would have a better chance of making the playoff as an at-large than Michigan probably would, because Michigan's non-conference schedule is uh, is not good at all. In fact, probably the best non-conference win they have is the suddenly bowl-eligible UConn. That gives you an idea of how bad it is for Michigan as far as the non-conference schedule goes. TCU finds themselves once again in kind of an odd position where hey they keep winning and their strength of schedule actually actually looks pretty good the big 12 is a pretty deep league overall probably more depth in that league than some people kind of realize that the actual resume for TCU is pretty good they're winning games at such a close clip though you're left to wonder can that really continue they're only a narrow favorite against Baylor on Saturday and Baylor got blown out last week so so no one can doubt what TCU has done to this point in time. They are justifiably a top four team. You can make a case they should maybe even be third, but they're justifiably a top four team. Uh, but the idea of will it continue, that's where it becomes a little bit harder to guess. And the assumption is they probably lose before it's all said and done. But right now, the resume they've put together is kind of top four worthy, even if their overall national brand awareness, it probably isn't commensurate what you typically expect a college football playoff team to be. And then you get to Tennessee. And as I said before, maybe they make it, maybe they don't. And, you know, some people are going to bend themselves over backwards, kind of talking about, oh, what happens if they do? What needs to happen for Tennessee to get in? I honestly don't care. Tennessee does not move the needle for me at all. Uh, if I'm a Georgia fan, I'd be happy to play them again. If I'm a Georgia fan, I wouldn't lose a second of sleep if they don't make the playoff. They're just not that consequential. They're no more cons- consequential than any other non-division winning team would be. And that's kind of uh, what they are. So that's what you kind of get into with all of that of course LSU at six to kind of finish off the SEC part of this LSU's at six you are left to wonder when the hypothetical situation of what if they did win the SEC because I'm not willing to stipulate anything can't happen Uh, I'm just not willing to do that what would happen then that's where I said before things start to get a little bit tricky for George at that point because you know some of the head-to-head arguments uh, that Georgia might like to lean on get neutralized if they're on the wrong end of a head-to-head against LSU. Two lost teams, you know, never had a two-loss team in the playoff. 
I think the I think the college football playoff conversation gets really really complicated if LSU beats Georgia. So the job for Georgia is to make sure that doesn't happen. And by the way, Alabama is still in at number eight, which I think is really funny right now. Uh, but nonetheless, that is the CFP top twenty-five from last night. In all my I guess potential conspiracy theories about how all of this is sort of designed to uh, be set up. One more thing I want to mention here really quickly as part of cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. I think there's something really interesting playing out at Auburn right now, where you may be aware of this. They got a win against Texas A&M on Saturday, and we kind of looked at this game more from the standpoint of, gosh, this is how bad it is for uh, Jimbo Fisher. He's now lost six straight games. Now he's losing to an interim coach, a team that had also lost five straight games coming in. That to me, the story here was how bad A&M continues to be. But at Auburn, admittedly, they had a lot of feel-good vibes about this game. And the crowd was huge, and they were really into it. They really celebrated, and obviously, there's a lot of feel-good, uh, you know, energy right now around Cadillac Williams, the interim coach there at Auburn. And listen, it's not my point here to say that Cadillac should not be considered as the next head coach at Auburn. Maybe he should be. I honestly don't know, but I am fairly certain they didn't start this coaching search off with the idea of maybe we should hire Cadillac Williams. Maybe that maybe the right coach for this team was on our campus the entire time. That is not the way in which Auburn started this coaching search, and yet it seems like there is going to be at least a decent amount of energy devoted to that question here right now. And so here's what this kind of leads me to ask. For the rest of college football kind of watching this scenario play out, I wonder what this does to the suddenly growing trend of more coaches being fired during the season. We've seen that, and it's transfer portal and certainly the early signing period that are – kind of creating this there's a there's a motivation to exit the old staff so you can get a head start on hiring a new staff so they don't lose a year on the field with your brand new coach because listen in the age of the December signing period if you're hired you know in December if you're hired late well then all of a sudden you've got a very hard time populating a roster to be in any way competitive in your first year you're seeing some of that with Billy Napier at Florida right now just hard to have a roster when you get such a late start compared to your to your competitors so we've seen more and more coaches seemingly getting fired earlier and earlier and earlier. And in some cases, cases we're even seeing coaching hirings taking place earlier and earlier. And earlier. Like Georgia Southern hired uh, uh, their guy last year in November. I mean, like you've seen a very accelerated coaching carousel because people are trying to, I believe, get out in front of this early signing period. But if you create a scenario where an interim coach comes in, wins a game or two, gets folks excited, and all of a sudden now you've got – what I believe at Auburn is probably some unwanted attention. And maybe Cadillac Williams should be the coach, but this is not what their original intent was. And all of a sudden now you've kind of clouded the the vision for what the future is supposed to be with a brand new athletic director who's just been hired. You kind of wonder, does uh, an interim coach having this level of success change the way that programs do this in the future because it makes it more complicated for them to do what it was they wanted to do? And once again, I'll say, Maybe what it is that Auburn wants to do is wrong. Maybe they should just hire Cadillac Williams. Maybe he is creating a level of energy that this program really needs, and hiring Lane Kiffin or Hugh Freeze or somebody like that would not be, or Deion Sanders would not be able to replicate that same level of success. But ultimately, decision makers want to do what they want to do, and the success of Cadillac Williams right now is seemingly at Auburn making it a little bit more difficult to do that. Uh, just kind of, an, I guess, a thought exercise a little bit about how Cadillac success might change the way in which interim coaches are treated in the future. And I use success in air quotes here because he's only one and one. The team they just beat was pretty bad. But if Cadillac wins the Alabama game, which 
seems like more of a possibility now because Alabama is obviously not Alabama. But if he goes out in there and pulls the upset in the Iron Bowl, at that point in time, you got to hire him, right? I mean, you have to. I mean, uh, if you beat Alabama uh, with the good vibes that seem to exist. And so I think it would be interesting to see what would happen if that were to take place. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Let me also do this really quickly there as well. Uh, as Mike mentioned, on Friday, we'll have Go With The Flow, presented by R.S. Andrews. We'll make our big picks for all the games for the weekend. And, of course, we can preview that right now with our friends at MyBookie. We call these our MyBookie Best Bets because we use the MyBookie lines for our official picks on Go With The Flow on Friday. So here are the games we'll be picking on Friday. We're going to try to, the rest of the way, kind of narrow this down to games that have playoff implications. So, obviously, we always pick Georgia. They are 22-and-a-half on the road right now at Kentucky. Dogs' uh, recent track record as a 20-plus point favorite on the road is stellar. And it continued, you know, really last week, although they were only about a 16, 17 point favorite last week at Mississippi State. They covered easily. Georgia has been very strong as a road favorite, but they did not cover the last time they were in Lexington. So you got a little bit of conflicting data going into that game against the Wildcats. Tennessee hung 60 on Missouri last week. They play at South Carolina on Saturday. And here's what I'll tell you if you're a gambler, the thing you got to watch, watch for very closely on this is. The vibes coming out of the Gamecocks program last week in Florida were not good. They were awful defensively, awful. And they had a really hard time moving the football against a Florida team that is pretty bad on defense in its own right. You know, the Florida-South Carolina game would have really flown under the radar for most people. But man, oh man, was it not good for the Gamecocks. So do they have a little bit more of a rise up at home here? I guess you can determine that for yourself. But just be really, really careful about a South Carolina team with Tennessee and Clemson to close out the year that for now might be looking for a soft spot to land. Be very, very careful about that here at the moment. Illinois lost two in a row. They can still win the Big Ten West, but it gets really hard for them. They're at Michigan on Saturday. This is a chance for Michigan to bolster its resume a little bit more. You know, I think for right now, both Ohio State and Michigan, the presence of Penn State at number 11 in the CFP rankings kind of gives them a, a, a pretty big boost. But beating an Illinois team that at one point was ranked and probably has kind of looked like a top 25 team for most this year, that would be another pretty big statement for Michigan. And it's a game the uh, line I desperately need but are unlikely to get. And the two most fun games of the weekend – uh, obviously outside the Georgia game for us, but the two uh, most fun games, TCU going on the road to the banks of the Brazos River there in Waco, Texas against Baylor. Just a skinny little three-point favorite after winning on the road to Texas last week. Can they keep this playoff dream alive? Seemingly no one wants them there, uh, but right now they seem to control their own fate. And thus far, they've thrived in that role. Now at Baylor on Saturday, of course, Baylor reeling after having gotten blown out the previous week. And then USC air quotes here on the road they'll play in pasadena just down the road from where they typically play at the coliseum against the ucla team that also lost last week to arizona uh but just a one and a half point underdog here hosting usc very small point spread there uh makes for a pretty fun game so some games of playoff implications we'll pick all of those here this weekend as we head towards the weekend and of course if you want to make your own picks and make some money off your picks our friends at my bookie got you covered on all of that you can use the promo code dog nation so here's how it works just find my bookie online. Let the internet do the work for you. Just type it in your browser. They'll get you where you need to be. And then use the promo code Dog Nation. And then my bookie is going to give you a big deposit bonus. So you put in $500, they'll put in $500. You put in $600, they'll put in $600. You're essentially doubling your initial deposit all the way up to $1,000. Then after that, it's winning season. That means you play, 
you win, you get paid. As simple as that with our friends at MyBookie. So find them online. Let the internet kind of help get you there. Use the browser to do so. Then use the promo code DOGNATION for the big deposit bonus. It's a winning season. That means bet on just about anything, anywhere, anytime, whether it be the college ball action during the week, and there's a lot of that right now with all the uh, Mid-American Conference games taking place. College is on Saturday, rolling to the crunch time of the NFL season on Sunday, getting ready for the playoffs after that. Boy, we got some really, really fun stuff coming up here soon. Our friends at MyBookie have you covered on all of that. So find them online, use the promo code DOGNATION, and get the big first deposit bonus. Also, the Finish Long Drinks. Speaking of getting ready for the weekend, on Friday's round here, we love our big finish presented by the Finish Long Drink, and we want you to be invited to be a part of that. Send us a photo of yourself enjoying some Finish Long Drink, having a great time with that, and we'll highlight you as a part of the big finish presented by the Finish Long Drink here heading towards Friday. Of course, you've never tried some. It's a great time to do it. You can go to the longdrink.com and find out about all the different long drink varieties. You can also hear a great story about how the Finish Long Drink kind of started in Helsinki back in the 1950s when the summer games were there and kind of a cool story about how it developed and grew. It's been in America now for a couple of years. It's in Georgia and pretty much everywhere, wherever you are. So go to thelongdrink.com, decide do you want the cranberry, do you want the long drink strong, which 8.5% alcohol by volume, long drink zero, no carbs, no sugar, the traditional in a blue can, got the grapefruit flavor, the gin kick, whatever your choice is on that. Our friends, the long drink, the finished long drink, are a great, great option for your tailgate, your watch party, everything else you have going on, your holiday parties you are coming up there as well, thelongdrink.com for a lot more on that. I wanted to do something fun here for our Golden Shoe today. So, and I, I want you to be able to hear this good, and so the music's going to distract your ability to be able to do that. So that's my fault. Uh, all right, so the other day, Mark Rick, who's obviously in his role and doing his job there on the ACC Network, this is really funny, was on there. It's under Mike Norvell, the, the Florida State coach, and uh, Rick obviously leaning on his time there at Georgia and obviously is, you know, alumnus of Miami, former head coach there. He made his feelings about those lousy, stinking gators here pretty clear. So for our golden shoe, what we like to do, now this is not a dog nation approved word that Mark Rick's about to use, which is a little surprising for him, but we'll let Coach Rick to get away with it here as he professes his dislike for the lousy, stinking gators. So before we sign off, let's let you see this. This is from the ACC Network earlier this week. Coach, I played in Miami, I coached at Florida State, I coached at Georgia, then I coached in Miami. I know you guys don't play him this week, but I know he played at the end of the season. Will you do me a favor and kick the Gators' ass? <laughs> you just do me that favor. So that right there is well-established Gator hater credentials from a guy that we still have great love and affection for, uh, Mark Rick, working there in his job in the ACC Network. We continue to pray for Coach Rick and his health. We hope to hear good, happy news about all of that, of him continuing to live the life that he's enjoyed and continues to be such an inspiration to so many of us. And for what we do around here, being Gator haters, Mark Rick on the ACC Network reminding all of them about what it means to be a true Gator hater, uh, that is a great thing to see. And now, after all that, we'll fire up the song. So my apologies for the... Uh, mess up there in the golden shoe but that was certainly worth waiting for and certainly worth getting and we love coach rick we love what he stands for we love what he's all about and we love the fact that he's spreading the good word the good message of being a great gator hater on the acc network there as well that's really good to be able to see and we're excited about our go for two in 22 kickoff tailgate coming up here in a couple of weeks in atlanta as we told you top of the page there dognation.com click the link be a part of it get a second generation go for two and 22 t-shirt enjoy the food the bar the entertainment all of that 
Uh, first 100 tickets, just $100. Uh, this is going to be a great experience. We can't wait to have all of you with us for it. Going to be so much fun. And by the way, speaking of the lousy stinging gators, back in Jacksonville, 346 days from right now. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. We will see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pass Management. Go for two and 22, everybody. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. R.S. Andrews, the one you turn to for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. And I was thinking about the topic off today's show about, you know, like finding that right level of motivation for this Kentucky game on Saturday. And looking back on some of the stuff that Kirby Smart said on the uh, one of his press conferences this week, and we, we, we may do this on the actual show here at some point in time, but uh, here's a quote from Kirby. He says, there's a major league respect for Kentucky in our program because the kids have played against Kentucky. They've been bloodbaths. He says the game last year was so physical, so tough, so rugged. They run a lot of physical runs. We run a lot of physical runs too, and you end up just clanging, and you come out of the game really, really sore. And obviously we know this is a Georgia team that takes a lot of pride in how physical that it plays. And when you take pride in something like that, it kind of becomes a part of your personal definition of yourself. And you know, for people who really value their physical toughness, they don't like the idea of somebody being tougher than them. And so, you know, maybe – in a game like this for Georgia, that's where some of that internal motivation comes from of, hey, you're going to be lining up against somebody on Saturday. Records don't matter. What they did the previous week doesn't matter. They want to show you in this particular moment that they are tougher than you. And if you're the kind of person that thinks of yourself as a tough guy, and Georgia players obviously think of themselves that way, that is not something that you're okay with. You're not okay with somebody believing they may be tougher than you. You're motivated to show them how wrong that is and that may end up being ultimately the source of motivation for georgia on saturday kind of an interesting thought and obviously a little bit of a quick cool down for us here today but wanted to share that with you here to kind of wrap things up hope to see you there go for two and 22 kickoff tailgate coming up in a couple of weeks dognation.com great place to go to get more information on that and we'll see you back here tomorrow for our rs andrews podcast cool down when it's all said and done rs andrews the one you turn to for your air conditioning heating plumbing electric needs uh get that heating system tuned back up to factory fresh specs keep you and your family warm here this winter uh, you can do more of that online at rsandrews.com and of course back tomorrow for dog nation daily presented by breda pass management we'll look forward to talking to you then